Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, final hour of the show. We are live from the Auction Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke, and we're going to switch gears to basketball here. Wolf, uh, because the NBA findings from that story that was all the way back November is when uh, when ESPN broke that story that there was going to basically led to a, a, an investigation of the Phoenix Suns, Robert Sarver. And um, today we get some findings. There's a 43 page document. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. You can find it online. It's out there. We have a story up, obviously, on ArizonaSports.com that details some of the uh, the main points. And um, look, it doesn't it doesn't. Doesn't look great, and and as a result, the uh, the NBA handing down a suspension to Robert Sarver of one year cannot be present at any NBA or WNBA facility in that time. No offices, no practice facilities, anything. Can't attend any league events or represent the Suns or Mercury anywhere. Can't be involved in the business operations of the teams. Must complete a training program focused quote on respect and appropriate conduct in the workplace unquote. And find $10 million, the maximum allowed by the NBA Constitution. Now, there's a lot of findings, like I said, but, um, you know, they, they talk about uh, it's uh, misogynistic comments, racist comments. There's, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of not good here. Yeah. Now, if you're the Suns, you have potentially a distraction on your hands. Yeah, you know, there, there's two sides of the fence on this one right here. There, there always are base and audience, but for those that don't like Robert Sarber and wanted him out, um, this is not a good day because it's not going to happen. This is not the Donald Sterling moment that people who don't like Robert Sarber were hoping for. Um, for those that like Robert Sarber, this seems to be a win, but doesn't feel like a win at all right now um a one-year suspension a 10 million dollar fine yeah it's not going to help his his q rating at all but it could have been a lot worse yeah i want to make sure i get the specific wording right it says uh, the nba interviewed 320 individuals and evaluated more than eighty thousand documents it's a lot of documents and the uh, the law firm wachstuhl lipton rosen and katz concluded that sarver quote clearly violated common workplace standards unquote including quote the use of racially insensitive language unequal treatment of female employees sex-related statements and conduct and harsh treatment of employees that on occasion constituted bullying unquote now like you said, there's two sides to every story. So here's the uh, the statement from Robert Sarver. Uh, and I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but he talks, he opens with good leadership requires accountability for the Suns and Mercury organizations. That begins with me. While I disagree with some of the particulars of the NBA's report, I would like to apologize for my words and actions that offended our employees. I take full responsibility for what I've done. I'm sorry for causing this pain. And these errors in judgment are not consistent with my personal philosophy or my values. And uh, he added, Wolf, I accept the consequences of the NBA's decision. The moment is an opportunity for me to demonstrate a capacity to learn and grow as we continue to build a working culture where every employee feels comfortable and valued. I was actually happy to see Robert Sarver release that statement right there. The accountability and the responsibility that goes with that. Um. You know, once again, I don't know any of the details. I haven't read. I haven't been told anything about the details of these stories that have been released. But I will tell you right now that, again, the buck stops with the owner. We were talking about this earlier. It does. 
It stops with it. It starts with you and it stops with you. And I was glad to see him take personal responsibility and be accountable on this because ultimately he's the guy that is in charge of setting the culture for that workplace. Yeah. Now, as you would imagine, there's a lot of conflicting uh, viewpoints on the response. Here's Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, flat out. The NBA is going to have some questions to answer now. People are going to expect, you know, further explanation from Adam Silver. Uh, the league has has their board of governor meetings the next couple of days. The owners are in New York. Uh, Adam Silver probably like usually speaks at the end uh, of those board of governor uh meetings and i think certainly there'll be more questions uh about uh the league's findings and and why there was not a move to uh essentially push robert sarver out of the league but for now one year 10 million dollars now here's richard jefferson on nba today saying the league did about the best they could i don't believe that the nba could do more than what they did even putting it to a vote because owners don't want all of their stuff exposed if you have achieved billions of dollars and you own nba teams if people start digging in your closets they might find stuff so i think to get that 75 percent vote was going to be very difficult so they looked at it and said this is the most that we can do and so to me it all goes up to the players now and i'm gonna say well he, he added this about the players. It all falls on the players and how the players want to handle this. If he starts, if he decides that he doesn't want to step down and the players start doing what they did with Sterling, then I think you can have an issue where more than likely he could be forced to sell. See, this is exactly what I was talking about a little bit earlier. Um, I wonder what hasn't been reported and how the players inside the locker room feel about this. Once again, as a former professional athlete, that's where my mind goes. Because these guys, of course, they talk. They sit down. They have lunch, you know, during the season. Well, I'd love course, to hear their reaction camp, to this today. Absolutely. Training camp looms right now. And I wonder what they think about it and what they believe. How do these findings impact them and this team going forward? That's the question I have. I think it's it's obviously still going to be a story because of what you just said and what Richard Jefferson just said. We, we haven't heard the players' reaction. And, you know, ideally you hear the players' reaction what they're saying off camera, right? I mean, they're going to have more of a prepared statement when they're asked about it, as they should. But that alone means this is going to continue to be a story. I don't think it's going to necessarily be a distraction for the team, but I think it's going to be a story, at least for a little bit. The, the thought that this just ends today, okay, the NBA hands out their punishment. Sarver says, okay, I don't, you know, I don't agree with all of it, but I'll accept it. I don't think the story just ends right there. There's, there's, there's no way in this 24-hour news cycle that a story this big is just going to go away in a couple hours. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one right there. Um, where does it go from here? That remains to be seen. But I just feel like, yeah, it's not over. It's smoldering right now. I'm sure the Suns would like it to be over. I'm sure Robert Sarver would like for it to be over. You just wonder if, in fact, it is. All right, we come back. We'll get back to football. Is it a mistake to not let your quarterback play at all in the preseason? We have empirical evidence that suggests it is a mistake. Wolf, I don't know if I used empirical evidence right, but it sounded important. You did. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, 
right, welcome back to the show here on a Tuesday afternoon. And, uh, Wolf, it's it's been a conversation topic for Cardinals fans, honestly, even before the game uh, on Sunday. Are we getting enough out of this preseason? It was a conversation topic on this show. Uh, the second I saw Kansas City run their players out there in week two of the preseason, not just because it's Kansas City, but because that's who you're playing in week one, that's when I started to get nervous. And then, obviously, the Cardinals went out there and, and did not have a good game uh, in week one against the Chiefs. So the conversation that has been coming up is, are you are you utilizing the preseason enough? Are you giving your opponent a competitive advantage because they're getting reps and you're not? And, our, of course, our producer, Aaron Maloney, found this stat last night that quarterbacks who didn't play at all in the preseason went 3-8. and eight. In week one of the regular season over the last couple of days. So, three and eight. Okay. It's 11 quarterbacks that did not play in the preseason. Um, okay, a third of the league did not play. And by the way, they were really, really good quarterbacks, a lot of them as well, correct? Yeah, I mean, they are they are the biggest, some of the biggest names at the position. Kyler Murray, obviously. Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, and Kirk Cousins. Again, that was Malone. Found all that. <laughs> Which is like, Other than Kirk Cousins right there at the end. <laughs> I just, yeah, he's really, really good in regular season. He plays really, really well. He does amass some stats, some really good numbers. It's just Kirk Cousins hasn't won a lot of games. Yeah, Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill, I would say, are the two names that don't necessarily belong. Yeah, so Patrick Mahomes not on that list. That's interesting, right? Patrick Mahomes not on that list. He definitely played in the preseason. And, and the thing that's interesting about this list, Wolf, is you have those 11 quarterbacks who went a combined 3-8 and eight in Week 1, okay? 11 quarterbacks who didn't play at all in the preseason, then they come out and go 3-8 and eight in, in Week 1. Two of the three wins were against other quarterbacks on the list. So yeah, Kirk Cousins got a win, even though he didn't play in the preseason, but he beat Aaron Rodgers, who also didn't play in the preseason. Yeah. Same with Justin Herbert, he beat Derek Carr. You know, it's more than just the quarterbacks, but it, for the purposes of this list, you go 3-8, and eight and, and two of the wins were unavoidable because you were playing somebody else on the list. So you're not going to tie. <laughs> That's and crazy. The third one is Lamar. So who you're telling the me there's one. There's there's, there's actually one. really one. There's one, and he played the New York Jets. Okay, so they're actually. My goodness, that is staggering right there. It really is because you can't you can't look at the two quarterbacks that played each other on that list. You can't you, do you it. You really? Yeah, it's. No, you, you it's, can't. It's not. It's not a fair stat. No, it is not. So, yeah, so it's actually is, worse than it looks. It's worse than it looks right there. Honestly, I, the, the more and more I look at this, the more and more I hope the Arizona Cardinals. This is just me and Cliff Kingsbury next year. Do whatever they did this year to get ready for the season. <laughs> next year, they do the exact opposite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like that episode of Seinfeld. If every instinct you had is wrong, <laughs> then the exact opposite must be right. I'm just saying, honestly, the, the more and more the league changes, and it is changing in a state of flux right now, the more and more the league stays the same. The game of football stays the same, in yeah. my opinion. I, I honestly think this is, this is going to be a bubble. 
This is going to be a bubble over time that on a graph, if you're looking at it, it's going to pop and it's going to flatten once again. This bubble of, you know, remove the physicality. Just totally do away with the physicality and preparing a human being. I've been talking about this for a long time. The biggest change in the game of football is how you prepare a human being to play in the game of football. I'm not saying they're going to return to the days of of practicing in full pads on Wednesday and Thursday in week number 10 of the season. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're going to go ahead and bring back Oklahoma. That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe this this notion of not hitting at all and not exposing players to the preseason, I think at some point in time, I think that's going to change. Well, flip it, flip it around too. I mean, if if quarterbacks who didn't play at all in the preseason went three and eight, then ones who did play went twelve seven and two in uh, in week one, and six of those seven losses would have been to other quarterbacks who also practiced. So, yeah. w- what you're saying would really illustrate that where we are right now is is sort of a transitional point, right? Where you have some. Some teams that are playing their guys and some that aren't. Whereas yeah. Traditionally, in the past, they all just played. And in the future, maybe we get to a point where none of them play. But right now, some are and some aren't. And you could see it. It was obvious in week one. I, I just, honestly, if I if I were a coach in the National Football League, I'd, I'd say you're going to get five reps. You're going to get five reps in every preseason game. That, that's 15 reps that you're going to get. And I know everyone could go out there and say, he could get hurt. It's, it's a, he could get hurt, anyone those 15 plays getting hurt anyway and you're absolutely right about that he could get hurt but can you really live your life terrified can you really live your life afraid can you really be a coach and say you know what this is an unsafe game and he could get hurt but see we're gonna run him out there anyways for five reps in a guy Honestly, right now, Bill Belichick, once again, um, a big believer in playing players in preseason, even if it's only five reps a game, but actually allowing them to go out and engage the process of playing a football game. You can't live your life afraid, as Bill Belichick would say. um, The only way to get better at the game of football is to play the game of football. And a practice is not playing in a game. Now, for the Cardinals, and that, that list is just 11 quarterbacks. Some of those teams may have played some of their other players. The Cardinals, I have to assume, were at the very far end of the spectrum, maybe the furthest in terms of just not playing anybody. In ter- if you lined up who your 22 starters were expected to be for week one, they really didn't play very many, if any, of them. And uh, and so this was Cliff Kingsbury yesterday. This is at his media availability. They asked him, you have any second thoughts about how the preseason was handled this year? No. I mean, last year we played one series, I think, or two series in one preseason game um, with the starters. So it wasn't um, anything to do with that. Uh, just, like I said, didn't, didn't play well. But then we'll, I, we'll go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, he's right about that. Once again, they barely played these guys. And we've talked about this they barely played any of the starters last preseason and not this one i'm talking about the year before and they went on a seven and oh tear out of the gates 
I maybe that's the exception, though. You and I looked at each other after I think it was after the first game against Tennessee. It might have been after like the second game, and after we had talked to Cliff Kingsbury last year, and we were like, "This was off air," but we were like, "They're not going to play anybody in the preseason next year because they didn't play many in twenty twenty one anyway, and then started off going seven and zero and ten and two. But now, to your point, okay, now you've done it this way. And right now it's just 0-1. And, and if they go win and they go 1-1 one one next week, then it, it probably just disappears. But if, if you start like 0-3, I mean, See, I don't you know if it does. Yeah, I don't know if it does disappear. And the reason why I say that is because of all the injuries that they suffered. The soft tissue injuries that they suffered. I, I wonder about that, Luke. If, in fact, they're not going to go, you know what? Um, we're not going to have any calves next year. We're not going to do it. So you know what we're going to do? We're actually going to go ahead and we're going to practice. And we're going to practice at a higher tempo. And we're going to let these guys go play some snaps in preseason. Get some live contact behind them. Because a lot of times, that's where I think you could possibly pull a calf as well. Is when you're engaging somebody and you're trying to drive them. You know, I, I think that presents a an opportunity in and of itself to pull some type of soft tissue. Uh, here's another one from Cliff. This was with us yesterday talking about how good Kansas City looked. Um, I knew they were really good. Uh, they they like, looked like a oiled machine. Um, like they, It looked like week nine for them. You know, I thought the way they executed the timing, um, the way they tackled. And um, so, yeah, they, they played at a high level. I, I think preseason as a coach, every coach would, would want, if you could to, to get your guys some time, but it's just based on depth, based on age, based on different things. I think um, each each team has to do it by a case-by-case basis, and uh, so that was the choice we made, and the year before, like I said, I thought we came out and played really well, and this year, for whatever reason, we, we did not. I did everything I could to not laugh when he said case-by-case <laughs> basis, by the way. Like, he was looking at us as he said it, I and just I want to say it once. Was, a case-by-case basis. There we go. Not a base-by-base cases. <laughs> That's all I could think. Uh, look, what's your? You, you talk about, he talked about the Chiefs looking like it was week nine. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in week two of the preseason. It's not like he went out there and got five reps. 12 of 19, 162 yards, and two touchdowns in week two of the preseason for Patrick Okay, Mahomes. that was just week two. Did that he play in any other games? I don't think that he did. Okay. Um, he just wanted sh- to go out and get some grease. Yeah. Is that it? I see. Th- these are the sort of names you see in the preseason, okay? Here's who played for the Chiefs in week three. Yeah. Uh, Shane Bouchel. Okay, Shane. Chad Henney. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, Dustin Crum. <laughs> Dustin Crum. Yep. Dustin, Dustin Crum. That sounds like a, a ah, name in like a movie, like a football You know movie. what it? No, it sounds like a pirate. Dustin Crumb. Actually, it sounds like a cooking show. Dustin yeah. Crumbs. Um, yeah, Either way. Dustin doesn't really sound like a pirate. No. But Crumb <laughs> Not does. a lot of pirates named Dustin. Lord Dustin Crumb. Long John Dustin. Darn. Yeah, not, not a ton of those out there. Your breath stinks, Crumb. Text us your thoughts. <laughs> not on that. To the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now when we come back <laughs> after watching the tape. How correctable are the Cardinals' mistakes from week one going forward? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Elderberries. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, as you just heard from Eric Ruby's update, it has been kind of a busy day around here, Wolf. The uh, Phoenix Sun stuff, that investigation, 
Those findings coming out today, this morning, actually right before we went on the air. We'll get back into that uh, next segment. But I want to give you a chance here to break down some of the film because when we do the show on Monday, obviously, you know, the game just ended yeah. Sunday. You know, by the time you get home and everything, there's not really a chance to, to actually watch the game film before we do our show on Monday. But now you have watched the film. And um, I'm going to start. I'm just going to let you talk about what stood out to you. And then I have a couple questions. Yeah. You know, uh, let me just very superficially talk about about three different things in particular. The offensive line wasn't great, but Sean Harlow really struggled. And when I say that, listen, I, I have great compassion. Sometimes you have a bad game. It just doesn't matter who you're playing, but you're going to have a bad game. And then sometimes you're going against a guy by the name of Chris Jones. And Chris Jones is really, really good. And sometimes you're more of a center than you are a guard. And Sean Harlow was playing guard. Um, and sometimes you just get beat. And boy, do I know that. I cannot tell you how many games I played in my 10 years where I just sucked. Period. Not even buttermilk. <laughs> Not even buttermilk. I just sucked. Okay? And got beat. So it happens to everybody, and I need you to understand that as I point out Sean Harlow. But he did struggle. Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray was under duress, especially in that first half. And that was one of the biggest disappointments to me as well. Um, I didn't think the Cardinals ran the ball very well. They did not. That goes back to the line of scrimmage. And I also think the, the offensive line struggled to protect Kyler Murray. He threw the ball 17 times in the first half and was under duress 10 times that I counted. That that's not a very good ratio right there. So because we've been talking about it now for the last two days of, you know, the offense, like you said, is the bigger concern to you because the offense needs to win them games this year. And yeah. the defense to me has been was concerning because that looked like the defense people were worried would be like the worst case scenario. But I agree with you on the offense in the sense that the offense they're not going to win a lot of games unless their offense is one of the better offenses in the yeah. NFL. From what you're seeing on tape, now watching the game a second time, how much of that was the offensive line struggling? Was it most of it, or was there more to that what went wrong for them on offense? Yeah, no, there was um, there was a lot of it, I think, that was the offensive line. Okay. Again, um, every guy's got to go out there and play well. you got to be more physical. You have to run physical schemes as well. If you want to be more physical on the line of scrimmage, guess what you got to do? You got to run more physical schemes. This is my belief, at least. This is what I believe. It starts with the scheme, but it finishes or ends with the skulls. You have to be able to execute whatever it is. But if you want a physical mentality, you have to say, oh, by the way, we're going to line up and we're going to run some physical plays. And you better be up to the task. You better be up to it. Because I'm going to demand that you're up to the task. And we're going to be physical. So it does start with scheme, but it ends with skulls. And it wasn't just the offensive line. It was everybody else. Listen, this this offense without DeAndre Hopkins in it is a completely different offense. They were paying an awful lot of attention, of course, to Hollywood Brown, mm-hmm. as you would imagine. They, they did that, and any team can take away one receiver if, in fact, that's what they want to do. They can almost guarantee that they're going to take away one of those receivers. Um, 
I didn't think he played particularly well, and I didn't think he played particularly bad. I did not. Which um, I would think most most people watching the game on first glance probably had the same thought. You didn't really hear from Hollywood Brown enough. Like what you would expect right? the Cardinals win, but he did have that nice touchdown. He did. He had the nice touchdown. He also had a nice corner rod. Kyler Murray threw down the field. Great job. There were As flashes of, of that fact, chemistry. There, there were those flashes, two. no doubt about it. And um, so we, I wonder what the offense is going to look like when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But I will tell you, Basinonians, right now, that I thought we'd see something else. Now, this game got sideways so quickly. You're down 14 nothing after the first quarter. It got so sideways that I, I don't know if we truly saw the game plan of the Arizona Cardinals. I thought we were going to see a lot more 12 personnel. One back, two tight ends. Thought we were going to see a lot more of that. Thought we were going to see a more physical scheme up front. Thought we were going to see a commitment to trying to run the ball as well as they did last season, the season before. This year, of course, last season, in the first 12 weeks of the season, where they ran the ball, the run rate, they were top five in the league, in the National Football League, and running the ball, and tried to run it in between the tackles, and they did it in a more physical way than what we saw on Sunday. But again, in order to be that, you don't get down 14 points. Yeah, they got out of their game pretty quick. It was it was exactly what you feared last week of if you couldn't stop the Chiefs from yes. running, they were gonna yes. Mahomes could do whatever he wanted. Yep. And that, that game was the personification of being able to do whatever you want. Patrick Mahomes was that for, for sixty minutes on Sunday. Defensive side of the football uh, what did you see from Isaiah Simmons? And yeah. I mean, he was he, they did move him all over the field. Uh, it, I, my fear, Wolf, with Simmons is every time there's a potential hole on the defense. Isaiah Simmons seems to be the backup. Oh, we're a little thin at corner. Well, Simmons is the backup. Well, we're not sure if we can get a pass rush. Oh, Simmons can do that. Well, Simmons can play safety, too. And he's also an inside linebacker. He can't be everything. Let me go positive first. Okay. Can I go positive yes, first right here? please go positive. It's been two days. I, I am encouraged by Zayvon Collins. Okay. And how Zayvon Collins played as the game progressed within the game itself. Just watching how much more comfortable he looked. Once he was reading the blocking schemes of the Chiefs offensive line, uh, he just seemed to get better. And he used his hands better than I've seen him in a while as well. Now, was it perfect? No. Can he do better? Yes. Did he look confused from time to time? Yes, he did. But he showed improvement. And, man, he made some plays as well. So I was encouraged watching Zayvon Collins from the start of the game to the end of the game. I think he actually got better in the, what was it, 66 reps? He played a lot of reps. He played, I believe, 96% of the game. Okay, so, yeah, I, I think it was 66. Don't hold me to that. But he played over 60. I know that much. I mean, this guy got better. Isaiah? Isaiah looked, um, <laughs> this is, this, I, I question my sanity as I say this, Space and Onions, but he looked stiff. He did. His technique was bad. He, he looks stiff like I am stiff. You're talking about one of the most fluid athletes on the field at Isaiah Simmons. And he kind of looked robotic, mechanical. Um, his technique was not good. 
there was confusion as well. The, the communication, I don't think, was great. Something was amiss um, with Isaiah Simmons. I haven't seen him play that bad. Even at the end of last year when people said, you know, well, his play kind of went down and you could see that whatever he, he peaked at about week 12, 13, like a lot of Cardinals did. And then all of a sudden he just trailed a little bit at the end of last season. Um, that's what he looked like to me. It looked like, like, does that mean he's trying to do too much? And he's just, I mean, it would make sense. Okay, you're a little bit overwhelmed, right? He's going into year three. This is his first real offseason. He's playing all these positions, which I know he's comfortable doing. But still, it's different to do it at Clemson or to do it against the Kansas City Chiefs in week one. And on top of that, having the green dot. Because you're right, he doesn't doesn't ever look stiff when he's playing. He always yeah. looks athletic, even if he's not in the right spots. A breakdown in technique. He just, yeah, he looked... All right, we come back. We'll get back into basketball to wrap up the show with the NBA's uh, findings and punishments for Robert Sarver officially coming down right before our show today. We'll recap that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Final segment of the show on a day, Wolf, and we expected to be talking a lot about the end of week one, that crazy game last night. We got into that stuff. We got into a lot of Cardinals as well, but uh, obviously the news with the Phoenix Suns that came out this morning, basically right before our show, uh, that Robert Sarver is going to be punished, suspended for a year, fined $10 million, which is the max allowed by the NBA Constitution, uh, and suspended for a year means can't be in any games, can't be in any facilities, NBA or WNBA, can't be involved in the business operations of the Suns or Mercury, must complete a training program focused on, quote, respect and appropriate conduct in the workplace, unquote. Um, the findings that the uh, from the investigation that the NBA put together, it says... Um, Sarver, quote, clearly violated common workplace standards, including use of racially insensitive language, unequal treatment of female employees, sex-related statements and conduct, and harsh treatment of employees that on occasion constituted bullying, unquote. So, not a great day across the board. Now, uh, here's, here's Woj and, uh, and, and his comments talking about, you know, what is potentially next in this story. People are going to expect, you know, further explanation from Adam Silver. Uh, the league has has their board of governor meetings the next couple days. The owners are in New York. Uh, Adam Silver probably like, usually speaks at the end uh, of those board of governor uh, meetings. And I think certainly there'll be more questions uh, about uh, the league's findings and, and why there was not a move to uh, essentially push Robert Sarver out of the league. But for now, one year, $10 million. See, that to me right there, that's, that's it. For those that don't like Robert Sarver and wanted him out, it's not a good day. Because this isn't the outcome they were looking for. To Woj's point right there, it, it isn't. Uh, for those that like Robert Sarver, this seems to be a win. It just doesn't feel like a win, obviously, yeah, and for obvious reasons. It doesn't feel like there are any winners today. But, yeah, I mean, if you if you wanted Sarver to stick around, I guess within this context, he is still here. He's not, uh, he's not selling the team, at least not right now. Here's more from Woj. This was on NBA Today today 
Wow. Think about that. That was cool. <laughs> NDA Today Today. Robert Sarver has certainly had a lot of offers from people uh, to, to sell that team. He has um, resisted that. He's wanted to continue to own the Suns. And, and understand this. You know, he doesn't have allies around the NBA. Not with his uh, peers, other owners. He doesn't have really close friends uh, among other owners. He has not been a favorite of the league office long before even uh, Baxter Holmes' story. Uh, I think in a perfect world, I think Robert Sarver would have sold uh, the Suns long ago uh, for both his uh, how his uh, fellow owners feel about him hmm. and how the league office feels about him. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty powerful words right there. From because look, I mean, we we know a lot of Suns fans. You know, there's there's different groups of, of how you're approaching this. First of all, I don't want I don't want it to get lost in the the sports side of this. The actual like findings of this report they they go beyond sports, and that in itself is a that's a news story, and they're talking yeah. about it on our news station all day today. Uh, but from the sports side of things, I know there were a lot of a lot of people that that were quietly hoping this meant he was going to sell the team and, and he is not selling the team no it does not appear to be that way um i honestly as a former professional athlete i wonder what is going on inside of that locker room the sun's locker room right now i wonder what the players think and what they believe what they know who knows i don't even know what they know or or what they've talked about i guarantee you they've had many discussions about it Privately, of course, think about amongst who's on themselves. Think about some of the players on this team. This, this is well, not Chris Paul. Yeah, Chris Paul is, is where it starts. This is this is not a team of a bunch of twenty-one year olds <laughs> right. who just got drafted. Right. And they're like, ah, whatever. I don't care. I'm, I mean, I'm playing in the NBA. You have a team with Chris Paul on it. Um, I don't think this story is over. Here's more from Woj. Getting a three-quarter vote of league owners, uh, the, uh, the Board of Governors, uh, to force an owner to sell is difficult. Even if they condemn what Robert Sarver has said, even if they don't like him personally, don't like how he does business, how he represents the league, and there's certainly, uh, and I think Mark Cuban talked about this back with Donald Sterling, the slippery slope of, uh, of other owners feeling like they become targets uh, to lose their teams, maybe not in similar circumstances or having done, done or said the things Robert Sarver said, said uh, but the feeling like that they've all become vulnerable at that point. And so I do think that makes it hard for Adam Silver to think he could get, uh, again, three quarters of the league's owners to sell, but he's not putting them in that position. Yeah, one more from Woj. Right, as of now, there won't be a vote and Robert Sarver's going to uh, fulfill this one-year suspension We'll see coming out of it if he changes his mind about wanting to keep the team. Uh, he's not a member in good standing, uh, again, with his peers, with the league office. But for now, he keeps the Suns. So, it, yeah, I just said to change his mind as to, you know, what he's going to do with the team. He's going to keep the Suns as to right now. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen, but ultimately all they can think of, it's bad. I think mean, we'd all agree. 
It's bad. Yeah, it's, Robert Sarver would agree. It's bad, but it doesn't seem condemning, so to speak, I mean, like if, Donald Sterling. If you're in, you know, again, if you are a Suns fan, this is why your team is in the news today. You know, basketball season yeah, starting up right. in a few weeks, you know, and again, I'm just looking at it from the sports side of things. We've talked about the other sides uh, of this story, and there are some much more serious angles to it than just how it impacts the basketball team. But for the basketball team, if you're just a fan of the Suns, you're like, great, this is why we are the lead on every story on ESPN right now. We've got TVs in the studio, Wolf, and, and I've seen more of the Suns logo today than we've seen since Game 7 against Dallas, obviously, and that's not the sort of publicity right. you want, and it's just not the sort of story you want to hear on a human level anyway. <laughs> just in general, you don't want to hear a story like this even being out there, whether it's the Suns or whoever. Is this it? Is this going to be it right here? Does this end this story going forward? You and I have talked about it all show long. Do you think this is going to be it? I know that you don't. I don't think so, no. I mean, you know, as far as as the team being, quote, distracted, I mean, Sarver's away from the team now for a year. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's something like that. I just think there's going to be a lot of people unhappy with the punishment that are going to say that's not enough. You, you, you tell us here are the findings, and then you tell us here are the punishments. There's going to be a lot of people that say column A doesn't line up with column B. Yeah. So I don't I don't think this story is going away. It's like I said, it's all that's on any national sports station right now. You know, this has nothing to do with this story whatsoever that I'm about to say. But if you had to disappear somewhere, where would you go for a year? Where if you if you had Italy. to pick a year, yeah. Italy? Yes, Italy. I'm going to the island of Malta in the Mediterranean. We'd be close sea. Enough, we could probably do the show over Zoom. You and Malta. <laughs> I'm going, yes. All right. The siege of Malta. All right. Good luck with that. All right. That's going to do it for us here today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney for putting the show together for uh, Jesse Morrison's help as well. For Wolf, I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Peace and strength.